It is good to see you all here on this beautiful Sunday. Um, I want to thank uh, Brandon Sorrell for filling in last week. I've already had a couple people ask me when I was going out of town again, and so uh, I'm not taking offense to that, but uh, uh, thank you, Brandon, for, for filling in. Uh, so I do appreciate it. We took the kiddos to Disney World last week, so that's where we were. Uh, Disney tired and Disney broke is a real thing. Uh, and so as Blake Sherman told me, uh, they do a really good job of separating you from your money. And so anyway, uh, but we had fun. The girls loved it. Uh, and so we will uh, work every penny. Uh, and so anyway, uh, that's where we were. Uh, Luke is uh, in North Carolina, maybe on his way back from North Carolina. He's doing a, another mini term uh, southeastern. That's where he's been. And so keep praying for him as they pack in so much school uh, just in that short little bit of time. Uh, Psalm chapter 5. Uh, this morning we are officially, uh, even though I know the past couple Sundays we've been in Psalms, uh, uh, but this morning we're officially kicking off our summer series, uh, Psalms of Summer, where we'll just kind of walk through different Psalms. Uh, I wouldn't say at random as we feel led to pick a Psalm. We don't go necessarily in numerical order. But this morning we're going to start with Psalm chapter 5. And as you're uh, flipping there, uh, I, I want to read a couple different quotes this morning uh, to kind of kick us off. And uh, as most of you have probably figured out by now, I love the book of Psalms. Like, I just love to teach it. Uh, we spend most of the year. Read definitely over the past two years in the book of Acts, we're walking through uh, some historical things and deeper areas and things like that, which are great for us to know and, and to spend time in, but I love just for us to go to the book of Psalms because it's just, it's just medication to the soul, ultimately, as we're walking through. Uh, and so I love to teach through them. I love to, uh, to process through them, if you will, as the words we use. And here's a couple different uh, Spurgeon quotes on the book of Psalms, and I hope that it really sets us up for this summer as we'll walk through Psalms. Spurgeon says this on uh, about Psalm 51. He says, such a psalm, among others, can stir up our latent emotions so that they can marinate deep in our hearts. However, we may not even be able to express these feelings to God because they are so overwhelming. The Psalms, fortunately, enable us to articulate a wide range of emotions before him. Whatever we are feeling, the book supplies the babe in grace, the penitent cries, and the perfected saint with triumphant songs. Thus the Psalter serves as a spokesman of feelings which else had found no utterance. Does it not say just what we wish to say? Are not its prayers and praises exactly such our hearts desire, or what our hearts delight in? No man needs better company than the Psalms. Again, he says this, the Psalms, the breadth of experience stretches from the jaws of hell to the gate of heaven. As we read the accounts of David and others, we realize their experiences are very, very similar to ours. We may enjoy intimacy with God and feel abandoned by him. We experience the joys of friendships and the pains of friends who reject us. Fortunately, we do not have to travel the spiritual terrain by ourselves because others who have gone before us serve as companions in the spiritual journey. When we read the Psalter, we read and commune with friends, of friends human and divine, friends who know the heart of man towards God and the heart of God towards man, friends who perfectly sympathize with us and our sorrows, friends who never betray or forsake. As we walk through the book of Psalms, what we see is just this beautiful masterpiece that God has given us to understand how to deal with things, how to, how to walk through different, really every emotion of life. 
Uh, John Calvin said it like this. He liked to call the book of Psalms the anatomy of the different parts of the soul because there's not one emotion that we could experience that we do not find in the book of Psalms. William Plummer said this about the Psalms, that they communicate truth with which philosophy can never investigate and with a style that poetry can never even equal. As we walk through the book of Psalms this summer, I hope that it's, it's like I said, medicine to our souls. As we, as we, as we walk through this summer uh, and all of our busyness and craziness, life doesn't change. We still wake up every morning with the same pressures and the same anxieties and the same worries or, or the, the very thing that's been nagging you or the thing that you've been struggling with. We wake up each day with those things. And so I hope as we walk through the book of Psalms this summer that it's, it's medicine for us. It's good for our soul. Psalm chapter 5 is really to be taught in two different sections. This morning we're taking the first section, verses 1 through 7. So let's read that real quick. Verse 1 says, Give ear to my words, O Lord. Consider my groaning. Give attention to the sound of my cry, my King and my God. For to you do I pray. O, o Lord, in the morning you hear my voice. In the morning I prepare a sacrifice for you and watch. For you are not a God who delights in wickedness. Evil may not dwell with you. The boastful shall not stand before your eyes. You hate all evildoers. You destroy those who speak lies. The Lord abhors the bloodthirsty and the deceitful man. But I, through the abundance of your steadfast love, will enter your house. I will bow down towards your holy temple in the fear of you. This is God's word. Let's pray. Father, we love you, and we thank you for your word. God, we just pray now, as, as Caden just prayed, God, as we look to it, God, you give us eyes to see and ears to hear. Uh, God, I pray that as we look to it, specifically in uh, seeking after you, to, for coming after, to, to, to you in prayer, God, that you teach us uh, how to do so and and what manner to do so, God, as we walk through this book of Psalms, this, or Psalm chapter 5 this morning, that you would speak to us, uh, that you'd be honored and glorified in all that we say and do. It's in Christ's name we pray. Amen. This morning I titled this, uh, this sermon, Morning by Morning. You saw that in verse uh, 3 where it says, In the morning you hear my voice, in the morning I prepare a sacrifice for you and watch. And the reality is, is that uh, when it comes to our life, this is going to be uber practical today. Everybody okay with a little practical sermon every once in a while, right? And so, uh, but this is going to be uber practical. And really, uh, you've heard saying stuff like this, like, it doesn't matter how you start, it's about how you finish, right? And, that, and to some degree, that's, that's true. But what I also believe is how we finish, a lot of times, is influenced by how we start. Uh, and, and, and not that we were perfect in every morning and things like that, but what I mean by that is sometimes life, let's say something, everyday life's going to happen, right? Right? The, the, whatever's going to happen, whatever struggle, whatever hardship, whatever confusion, whatever, whatever it is that's going to come your way, it's going to come your way, right? What I do believe, if we develop disciplines to start the day, it, it doesn't change those things, but how we navigate those things, it helps and improves. Everybody with me? How we start does, in essence, affect how we finish. Uh, and how we finish today, if you if you were to read Psalm chapter 4, I don't, it's not coming on the screen, but go to verse 8. Look at the last, last verse of Psalm 4. It says, In peace I will both lie down and sleep, for you alone, O Lord, make me dwell in safety. I think all of us would say, man, I hope every night when I get home that when I lay my head down, I have this quiet confidence in the Lord that I know he's going to, when I lay down, he's got me. 
that I, there's this picture of peace. And I would, I, would, I would argue that he had that peace, obviously because he knew the Lord, but maybe he started his day a little different. Maybe we woke up and gave his day to the Lord before it ever started. Maybe, and what we're going to see through this text is that he, he, this, this Psalm 5, verses 1 through 7, is his desire is that God would hear his cry and would consider his groanings or his meditation, his thoughts. And this morning, I want to walk through really uh, how we can develop a discipline of starting our mornings off right. And we walk through the book of Psalms, how starting the, the day off will impact the way that we lay our head down at night, the way that whenever your coworker ticks you off, the way you respond to them could be different by how you spent your morning. Everybody with me? Like the, the, the way that when things don't go your way, we, can, we can't keep those things from happening, but if we start our day in a certain way, we can process those things in a more holy way than a wrathful way. Everybody with me? This means yes. All right, let's keep going. First of all, I want you to notice this, is that, uh, that his prayer here, it's, it's really two types of prayer. And when I say two types of prayer, I'm not talking about in categories like petition, praise, confession, uh, intercession. I'm not going through those lines. But what we see in this text, there's two types of prayers. We see it, first of all, he says, give ear to my words. That, that ultimately there's the, the, the prayers that are made up of words. One's with words, and then he also says, consider my groaning, as in there are prayers without words. Everybody with me? Like sometimes we have the words to pray, and sometimes we can't find those words. And what the psalmist is praying here is that God would, the words that he's prayed that God would hear him, but the things he can't utter, that God would consider those things too. That God would understand those things too. That, and ultimately, this is a great thing that Spurgeon says where is that the words are not the essence of prayer. They're the garments of prayer. That it is the, the very spirit of prayer that we're seeing here is that it's not necessarily just the words that I speak. It's the, the intent of the heart. It's where the heart's desire is. And the words that actually come out of my mouth are just the garments of the prayer. And what we see here is this man, this David, who he's praying, he's asking God to hear the words that he's praying, but also the things that he can't get out, the things that he's groaning, the things that he's meditating on, that God would consider those things. David asked for the Lord to hear his words and consider his groanings. I said, one is, is to hear the words. That's what his intent was, for God to hear the words that he said. And if he's asked what is right, to give it. And the others, that he, that, and the others if I have committed to ask, or if I've forgotten uh, to ask, then fill, it up, fill up the vacancy of my prayers. He says, consider my groanings, as in regard them in your wisdom, to weigh them out in your knowledge, to to judge them according to your will. What we see, first of all, which is not one of the main points, is that this is the spirit of prayer. Is that when we pray, we what? We want to be heard by God. Everybody with me? That, that, that prayer is less about a, a habit being formed and having a spirit of prayer. We want God to hear us. That whenever we cry out, we want God to hear the very words that are coming out of our mouth. And even when we can't get those words, we won't even consider the, the, the groanings and the meditations, the things that cause me to hurt. When you read the book of Psalms, it's ugly. Uh, he, he uses the word, the sound of my cry. If you go to chapter 6, look how he uh, defines it. It says, for my bones are troubled. 
I am weary from moaning. Every night I flood my bed with tears. I drench my couch with my weeping. My eyes waste away because of grief. Oftentimes when we come to God in prayer, there are words. But sometimes there are not. But our prayer is that he does hear them. Are you with me? So the discipline of prayer is not the habit of prayer. It's the spirit of prayer. That's what we're chasing after. We're good at forming habits just to say that we check them all. But there's a means, there's, a, there's an end to where we want to get, and we want to commune with God. We want to be in God's presence. We want God to hear us. And that's the, that's the psalmist's heart. He doesn't want his prayers just to hit the ceiling and be done. He wants to present them to God because he knows that his best thing is that God hears his prayers and acts according to his will. Let us cultivate the spirit of prayer more than the habit of prayer. One author said it like this, that we should begin to pray before we kneel down and we should not cease when we rise up. That we're constantly seeking after God. And he says, the sound of my cry, the voice of my cry. Sometimes, like I said, we can't pronounce it, we can't enunciate it, but sometimes we can't put them into words. We just cry, can't articulate it. And I want you to know, child of God, that's music to our Father's ears. Right? Like we hate to hear, I hate to hear my babies cry. I hate to hear, I remember one of the, I told you all this story before, uh, Evie's not in here right now, but this was probably two years ago. Uh, on my front porch, there's kind of like a step down onto the concrete slab, and Evie liked to, there's little windows beside the door that's like a full length, and she liked to like stand inside that window, right? And so she was standing like on the hinge side, right? So the door does like this. So her hands was right there. And I remember I, I went inside to get something. I was grilling something. I left the door open, but she stuck her hand inside the door whenever I went inside. And I came back downstairs. I just jumped down and slammed the door, and her little fingers were caught inside that little hinge thing, right? Like, it hurt me. But she cried out. You know what she cried out for? The very, even the one that hurt her, she said, Daddy. Like it, like it, and it was like, at one sense, it hurt my heart to hurt my girl, but nothing made me feel like better as a dad than for her to cry out to me. So much more with our Heavenly Father. He, he desires for us to cry out. Even whenever we can't voice it. I don't know, some of you may be dealing with something right now. Maybe you're dealing with some kind of pain or anxiety or fear or whatever it is. Uh, Psalms teaches us that God's not intimidated by your emotions, your hurt, your feelings. He doesn't get identity crisis if you doubt him. If you don't think he's, he's not up in, a, up in a panic room upstairs going, what are we going to do with the world? They're not trusting me right now. The idea is that God says, no, what, whatever it is, Psalms invites us to process those in front of us. Even if we can't get the words out, we ask God, consider, consider my groanings. Consider my hurt, the things that I can't even say, the things that I don't understand. Consider them. So, I'll get to the sermon now. Day by day, morning by morning, we go to the Lord. And I think in these seven verses, we see really five ways in which we do that. Supposed to be super practical, okay? Number one, if you're taking notes, is that we go to the Lord directly. Notice the language here of the psalmist. He says, give ear to my words, O Lord. Consider my groaning. Give attention to the sound of my cry. My King and my God, for I pray to you. 
For to you do I pray, my prayer is directed towards you. In the morning you hear my voice, in the morning I prepare a sacrifice for you. And so we begin, we see the the psalmist literally going directly to the Lord, which sounds awesome, but then you begin to read verse 4. For you are not a God who delights in wickedness. Hold on, time out. He's talking about going to the Lord and seeking after him and lifting up prayers to him for God to hear his voice and hear his groanings and consider those things. But then he begins to describe who this God is. And this is a God who does not delight in wickedness and the evil may not dwell with you. Wait for a moment. (laughs) Justin, you're talking about going directly to the Lord. But when you read these verses, you go, I'm a part of those verses. The evil, the wrongdoer, keep reading, and it says, The boastful shall not stand before your eyes, and you hate all evildoers. You destroy those who speak lies. Anybody ever told a lie in here? With this God we're talking about, praying to, he says, I'll destroy liars. Well, how in the world, how did he get access to this God? How do we get access? How can we wake up each morning, go directly to the throne room of God, and be in his presence? How is that possible? Because I know I'm a wrongdoer. I'm an evil man. I tell lies, and I'm not necessarily the greatest person in the world. The answer to that is verse 7. He says, but I, through your abundance, through the abundance of your steadfast love, may enter into your house. Yours may say, by the abundance of your mercy. Here's the good news and how we can go directly to the Lord in prayers that, yes, we're wrong, we're evildoers. But he's a God of, obviously, he, he has wrath. But that wrath does not cancel out his mercy. That he's merciful to even those that he, in his wrath, could destroy. The New Testament makes it very explicit when he says in 1 Timothy chapter 2, verses 5-6, through 6, So there is one God, and there is one mediator between God and man, the man Christ Jesus, who gave himself as a ransom for all, which is the testimony given at the proper time. Listen to me, child of God, this morning and tomorrow morning, Before the day's anxieties and worries and fears come along, you have access to the very sovereign Lord of all the universe by way of our mediator, Christ Jesus, where you can directly go to God in prayer. Whatever worry or everything that maybe even you can't even enunciate, you have access through Christ. Hebrews chapter 10, verse 19 and 20 says, Therefore, brothers, since we have confidence to enter the holy places by the blood of Jesus, by the new and living way that, o- that he opened for us through the curtain that is through his flesh. That when Christ Jesus, here's the good news. That when Christ Jesus, whenever his body, the curtain, was torn, if you will, by doing that, he opened the way that you and I now can go directly to the throne room of God. Thanks be to God. Thanks be to God. So just, I know this, but you need to be reminded of this. Because you may not wake up tomorrow. Actually, I'm going to ask this multiple times. This morning when you woke up, what are, the, what are the thoughts that began to interrogate you, if you will? What are the anxieties and the worries that begin to flood your mind? Because those things aren't going to stop. But here's the good news is, we're going to get to it in a second, is that even those things are coming, you and I now as followers of Jesus, we have the opportunity to pause those things and go to his presence first. To shut those things down and go to him. 
You have direct access to this holy God through the blood of Christ. You don't need any avenues or mediators other than Christ Jesus. The song we just sang, all-sufficient merit. Because of, of his work that was all-sufficient, that merit has now been given to us. Now we have access directly to the very throne room of God. And that's good news for me and you. So we start our day, we go directly to the Lord. Secondly, we go humbly. Look at verse 2. Sorry, uh, yeah, verse 2. It says, give attention to the sound of my cry, and look at this, my king and my God. When David, who is a king, right, who whenever he writes this psalm or sings this song, he says, hear the sound of my cry, attention to, give attention to the sound of my cry, my king and my God. That when we go to the Lord in prayer, we go in humility. We go directly, but we also go in humility, right? I think we forget about that often, that this God we're praying to isn't our homeboy or just our friend down the road. He's the king of glory, and he is the God, the sovereign of the universe. And we go to him humbly. We don't go to him like a genie that we can, that we can just rub the lamp. We go to him submitting to him, saying, my king and my God, will you hear the words of my mouth? Will you, will you contemplate or will you consider the, the groanings of my heart? Right? In, 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 our, in our church world where we've tried to make it, what am I say? The good things about God that we've, we've elevated that are attractive to people and the ones over here that are less attractive people that we talk about those things, they may not believe that God. We need to kind of like, the God of wrath is also the God of mercy, right? You follow me? And what we have to understand is that, man, even when we come to church and we're coming into the presence of God, but this God is holy. This God is other than us. We don't flippantly come into the throne room, if you will. Like, think about when you go to heaven. I know this isn't heaven. It's far from heaven, and I hope heaven looks way better than this building. Like, but think about when we walk into heaven, if you will. I don't think about, like, like walking to, hey, Peter, can I, but not like that, but when you walk into the very throne room of God, we're not going to be walking there like this. What's up, Jesus? Thank you. Like, what we're doing here. <laughs> is a foretaste of what we will do there. And the same God that's on the throne there that we're going to be worshiping is the same God on the throne that we're worshiping here. And while I'm at it, if you have a hard time worshiping and singing songs and actually vocalizing to the Lord, you're going to be real upset when we get up there. We're going to be repeating the same thing over again. Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty who was and is and is to come. Like we're going to be singing. We're singing people. But we don't do it for our own preference. We don't do it for our own get. We, we do it so that he will be glorified. We submit to that king and my God saying, God, will you hear our cries? Will you hear our voice? Because that's the only hope we have that you can hear us. In my distress, in my brokenness, in my confusion, the only hope I have is that the sovereign of the universe hears my plea, considers my cries, and actually does the work in it. That's the only hope I have. Not my intellect, not my knowledge, not my, my bank account, not my, my ability to tie my shoes tighter. It's the God of the universe is the only thing that can sustain me. So we humbly come to this God. 
We don't come to him as in we say, God, you owe me something. Or you're not answering my prayer the way that you should. No, we lay it before the God, the creator, the sustainer of the universe and say, God, here's my cry. Here's the, hear my heart. And if it's your will, awesome. If not, then align mine to yours. I'm somewhere in here. David, as a king, which is to think about, all of us try to be kings of something. Like we, we try to be the king of our own life. But David was a legit king. <laughs> he had it all. He didn't have to try to build a kingdom. He had one. But he knew his, his throne, somebody else would sit on it. That his crown, when he died, would be taken off his head and put it on somebody else's. So he looked to the God, the king of the universe, and said, my God and my king. To start his day, even though he's the king, he's coming to the one whose rule and reign is over all things and never ends. And you and I, this morning, I want to remind you that when we wake up tomorrow, though, we wake up to a world of different pressures and stressors. We wake up to them, and oftentimes we submit to them. But I want to encourage you this morning, what if the first thing we do in the morning, we directly and humbly submitted to the king of all the universe. With all the world and pressures that are happening around us, what if we submitted to the God who is sovereign over all things versus the very things that are causing us anxieties and struggles? That's what we tend to do. Immediately in the morning we wake up, pressures, I'm bowing down to them. We bow down, we submit, we come to the one who knows the beginning and the end and everything in between. And oftentimes we struggle finding peace that we long for because we want to be the king. We have a view of God, that, like I said, he's like a genie in a bottle or a cosmic Santa Claus that he submits to our demands. God does not work in favor of those who only submit to him whenever they need something. So I ask you a question, how do you start your mornings? Maybe through prayer and scripture, we approach the Lord directly and humbly. Saying, God, my king, hear me. Thirdly, we got to move forward. We come to him personally. Look again at verse 2 there. Give attention to the sound of my cry, what? My king and my God. It's a personal side to this coming to the Lord, this personal side of communing with the Lord in prayer and in Scripture reading is that this, this it's a personal thing. The word there uh, is the source of this prayer that, that he, he believed that God would hear him. Why? Because he was his God. He was his king. He had a personal experience with him. The psalmist, the same psalmist, would later write that this God knows him. Isn't it incredible that we have a sovereign who knows his subjects? Like I know we're not, we don't have kings and queens here in the United States of America, but I guess the president would be the highest official in the land, kind of. Uh, 
But the reality is, is that that man doesn't know a single one of us. Or if you went to England, the king and queen, whatever, they don't, they don't know their subjects. The king of all the universe knows his subjects. This same psalmist, the same guy who writes psalmist, Dave, David, he, he will write things like this God knows when he's sleeping and he knows when he's awake. It ain't Santa Claus, this is God. He knows when he's tossing and turning. He knows when he's sitting down and when he's standing up. The king knows the numbers of hairs on his head. His days before they started, he actually put him together. David is not a stranger to his king, and neither are you. But here's the asterisk. This relationship does not come just by attending religious activities. This is a personal encounter with this holy guy who is this personal shepherd and guide. To the same psalmist, David wrote later in Psalm 40 that he drew me, that he drew him up from the pit of destruction, out of the miry bog, and set his feet upon the rock, making his steps secure, and he put a new song in his mouth and to sing a song of praise to our God. This communing with the Lord in prayer, it's personal. It's it's directly, it's humbly, it's personally. And what I mean by that, and you need to hear me on this, this relationship doesn't happen by being born into a family that's Christians. As in husband, your faith can't be your wife's faith. And wife, your faith can't be your husband's faith. Children, your faith can't be your parents' faith. That this faith that we're talking about, this guy that we, do go, we go directly to, humbly to, personally to, it's a personal relationship. It doesn't happen by osmosis. Just eating the crumbs of others' feasts with the Lord will not suffice. It's personal. Look how personal the psalm is. As we walk through the psalms, what you see is somebody who personally knows God as their shepherd as their protector, as their healer, as their provider. It's a personal. He personally knew God as this for him. Do you have that personal relationship with him? That's another way of asking, have you been born again? Have you trusted in Jesus? Because I'm going to just say it. Maybe uh, if we lack a desire to meet with the Lord in prayer like this, maybe it's because we have yet to meet him to start with. And what I mean by that, and listen to me when I say this, if you have zero desire to meet with the Lord, to know the Lord more, to trust in the Lord more, to spend time in his presence daily, you haven't met him. Figured to be that silent when I said that. And maybe what we're doing is we're getting close to the table at the feast of the Lord, hoping to get close enough that maybe a crumb falls on the ground that we can pick it up and eat it to satisfy something that's long within us. And that's not going to happen. It's not going to satisfy. What you need to know is that you're invited to sit at the table. And the feast upon the Lord. 
and his goodness and his mercy and his grace. And so I want to ask you, have you trusted in Christ as your Savior, as your all-sufficient merit? Fourthly, I'll move quickly with these. Fourthly, not only do we go to the Lord directly, humbly, personally, but we go consistently. Look at verse 3. It says, O Lord, in the morning you hear my voice. In the morning I prepare a sacrifice for you and watch. This morning here, it says, in the morning I'm doing this, in the morning I'm doing this. It gives a picture that this is something he did, what? Every morning. It wasn't just some random morning, but every morning he consistently went to the Lord. Every morning he went straight to the Lord. And I say some of you are probably saying, Justin, but you're a pastor. That's easy for you. You get paid to come sit in the office and go to the Lord. I thank you for that. Without you, I couldn't do that. But I'm married to a, a teacher. And I, I'm, on, I'm bragging. I'm just I'm praising. I'm giving my wife some love. She's not in here. She'd hate if I did it. I know it's possible. I'm married to a teacher who wakes up at 4.15 every morning just to be able to spend time with the Lord before she goes to work. Like, I know it's sacrifice, and it's tough. But consistently we seek the Lord, morning by morning. And maybe you don't have that time in the morning. It's, I think it's better to start in the mornings because it prepares us for the day at hand. But it's not only in the morning, but what I'm saying is it's a consistent happen, a discipline where we're seeking the Lord's face through, through prayer and, and through Scripture that we're seeking Him. This is not a one-off sporadic thing. This is not just flippantry trying to, you know, for, in, in my mind I think about myself often uh, in what I'm about to say. I don't, that sounded, that came out weird. Sounded like I like myself a lot. Uh, with the thought process that I'm about to tell you, I think about my own story. Here we go. Is that, and Philip Slaughter's back there. He's going to laugh. Just about every year I have this desire. I'm going to start running. I'm going to start working out. And I'm three months in now. So anyway, it's like the longest I've made it. But anyway, it's like for many people when it comes to like followers of Jesus who decide, you know, I'm going to start reading my Bible and I'm going to start going to church. Instead of like just starting like chewing off little pieces, people decide that they're going to hit the treadmill and start running for 55 minutes nonstop. And what we do in our spiritual journey is oftentimes, all right, I'm going to start reading the Bible, I'm going to start in Genesis, I'm read the whole thing in a month. Like, just slow down for a minute, bro. Like, calm down. Like, let's don't just, obviously, if you could do that, do it. But what happens most of the time, every January we're going to start in Genesis because we didn't make it to chapter 40. Right? It's the same thing like if you go to the gym in January, come back in March, old dude that was on the treadmill ain't going to be there. And so what I'm saying is this, this, this isn't just this flippantry, like I'm going I'm to do it, I'm going to tackle the whole thing. No, it's about us building formation and discipline in our life that we're going to wake up each day and we're going to go to the Lord directly, humbly, personally, and consistently. I'm consistently going to the Lord. I'm consistently open up the word and ask God, I'm going to start. Oh, God, hear my words and consider my groanings. I humbly come before you as the king of the universe, which means you're the king of my life. 
Fifthly, we come to him expectantly. Look at the end of verse 3. It says, In the morning I prepare a sacrifice for you. Yours may even say, I direct my prayer to you. And what does it do? And watch. Yours may say, and wait expectantly. And I'll watch. Watch here literally can be translated to look up. This picture of the, of the sacrifice, preparing the sacrifice, is literally the picture of laying out the wood for the sacrifice. As in what he's saying is I'm going to lay out my prayer before you as if like I'm laying out wood for the sacrifice. It's like him saying I'm going to place this prayer in a bow like an arrow and I'm going to aim it to heaven towards you and I'm going to let it go and I'm going to watch where it goes. There's an expectancy when the psalmist prayed. When the psalmist prayed, oh God, hear my words and consider my groanings. He expected for God to hear his words and consider his groanings. And he actually expected for God to answer or do that which he has called out to. There's an expectancy in prayer that when every morning, whenever we come and we, we tackle, we're, we're about to tackle life, Oftentimes, we, we start and we say we're going to cast it to God, but eventually, immediately, we're going to grab it right back. Am I with me? Like we, I'm going to start my morning by, God, I'm, I'm, I'm casting it off to you, but by 7.15, I've already snatched it back. All right, so we're expecting when we pray, when we seek the Lord, that we're going to Seek him directly, seek him humbly, seek him personally and consistently. We're going to make formation and discipline, and then we're actually going to expect him to answer. We're going to expect him. We're going to give it to him. We're going to expect him to heal. I'm going to finish with this. John Ryan, you can go ahead and come up. It's a long Spurgeon quote. So I got a lot of Spurgeon quotes. There's Spurgeon. I should have brought it over here. I'm not as good as Luke to show you the book, uh, but... I do have it in my office. Um, but Spurgeon has commentary on Psalms called The Treasury of David. It's an incredible uh, resource for the, the book of Psalms. Actually, it's free online. Isn't it right, Brandon? Yeah, Brandon found it free online. And so, uh, incredible, incredible resource. But this is what Spurgeon talks about praying consistently and expectantly in this meditation. He says this, Do we not miss very much sweetness and efficiency of prayer by a want of careful meditation before it and of hopeful expectation after it. We too often rush into the presence of God without forethought or humility. We are live men who present themselves before a king without petition. And what wonder is it that we often miss the end of prayer? We should be careful to keep the stream of meditation always running, for this is the water that this is the water to drive the mill of prayer. It is idle to pull up the floodgates of a dry brook and then hope to see the wheel revolve. Prayer without fervency is like hunting with a dead dog, and prayer without preparation is like hawking with a blind falcon. Let not our prayers and praises be flashes of a hot and hasty brain, but the steady burning of a well-kindled fire. Also, do not forget to watch for the result of our supplications. We are like the ostrich who lays her eggs and looks not for her young. We sow the seed and are, all, are too idle to seek a harvest. How can we expect the Lord to open the windows of his grace and pour us out a blessing if we, are not op- if we will not open the windows of expectation and look up for the promised favor? 
Here's it is. Let holy preparation link hands with patient expectation, and we shall have far larger answers to our prayers. This morning, my call to us as a church as we begin this book of Psalms is that we develop a discipline right there in our bedrooms or in our office, whatever, that the first thing we do is we seek the Lord. We can seek him directly as a child of God because of the finished work of Christ who opened the door. We can have access to him. What that means is, is that God's sovereign, even if you don't do that, need to say that, but what that does is it reminds us that we don't have to tackle tomorrow on our own. Get real practical here. That we can face tomorrow under the leadership of the sovereign Lord of the universe. And we direct our hearts, we submit our hearts to that each day. We come directly, we come humbly, we come personally, consistently and expectantly. Sometimes the expectantly is the hard one. We come to God in prayer, and God, why don't you answer me? Why don't you answer me? Why don't you answer me? And God's probably like, dude, you've been here for 35 seconds. Calm down a minute. But we come expectantly, asking, knowing that God will do if you continue to read the psalm. I don't know if I'm going to teach it next week or what, but at the end of Psalm chapter 5, he says this in verse 11, but I will let all who take refuge in you rejoice. Let them ever sing for joy and spread your protection over them, that those who love your name may exult in you. For you bless the righteous, O Lord. You cover him with favor as with a shield. See, Justin, where do I start? Start tomorrow. If you don't have a Bible, we'll give you a Bible. Wake up a little earlier. We have scripture reading plans out there to help you. And if we were real honest, this is not me being a jerk at all, I promise you. For many of us in here this morning, this is the first time the Bible's been opened all week for us. Pick it up tomorrow. Read it. Seek the Lord. If you get to day two, we're about to have revival. Because of Christ, you have access to the sovereign king of the universe. Bring your baggage, bring your doubts, bring your worries. Bring them to the, you don't have to check them at the door. I remember growing up at a, say growing up, I remember going to a churches as a teenager and I would always hear, leave it at the door. No, you don't have to leave that junk at the door. Bring it to the throne room. You messed up and broken, bring it down here and let, give it to him. You ain't going to put your church face on. You had an argument with your spouse in the parking lot, just come on in. You ain't got to put a smile, just come on in, be mad. We see it, it's okay. And trust me, we know if you got an argument when you came in anyway. No matter no matter how your face is, I can read it. I can do it here, that wasn't good. Bad ride here. But the good news about us seeking the Lord is that we can bring it to Him. 
And even when we can't say it, we could say, consider my girlfriends. And he in his infinite wisdom and love and mercy, through the power of the Holy Spirit who takes those groanings and moanings to the throne room of God where we have Christ Jesus, who's our mediator, who takes those and brings them to the Father. practice consistently going to the Lord to start the day. And today's going to be the day, but I'm seeking when I lay down at night, I'm in that peace at the end of chapter four. I think if we start with chapter five, we'll lead to chapter, end of chapter four. I'm going to pray, and then I'm going to I haven't preached in two weeks, y'all, so I had a lot of things. I'm just excited to be up here. I feel like it's been three months. Uh, but I'm going to get out of the way. I'm going to go stand in the back. If you need to talk or pray, I'll be back there. If you're a female and you feel more comfortable talking to another female, I'll connect you with a lady. But here's the good news. If you're a child of God, you don't need me to talk to God. <laughs> That's what we see out of Psalm 5. You, you don't, I'm not, hey, I'm, I have just as much access to God as you do. But if you need somebody to pray, so obviously I'll be back there. But maybe as I've been talking today, you realize I have zero desire for any of this. I'm going to say there's a great chance you've never met the Lord. And what I mean by that is you never, you never trusted in Christ. That's something we need to pray through and figure it out. I'll be back there. If you need to come forward to pray, whatever you need to do, you move as the Lord leads. Father, we love you. God, we thank you for your love for us. And we thank you for your word. We thank you for Psalm 5. Uh, just that we see David, morning by morning, presenting his prayers, coming to you in prayer, presenting his offerings or sacrifices in expectation that, that you would hear, not just the words, but it, even the meditations of his heart. God, I thank you this morning that we have access through the shed blood of Christ, that we can come directly to you. God, I thank you that I don't have to depend on another human being to have access to you. God, I pray that for some of us who maybe have gotten lackadaisical or apathetic to our approaching you of approaching you as less than you actually are God that you would convict us of that sin that you would convict us of treating holy things as normal and supernatural things as natural God that we would return to the place of my God you're my king we submit humbly to you. Father, for the one in here this morning who maybe has not trusted in Jesus as Lord, God, that today you would cause them to be born again to a living hope. God, whatever's holding us back from fully committing and surrendering our life, God, I pray that your Holy Spirit will pinpoint those things, God, that you would convict us, and we would repent and 
trust in you fully. God, maybe it is time as we sing, as we respond in song to the word that we listen to, that you spoke to us. God, that we won't just be here for a moment and we walk out the doors. We won't be thinking about those anymore. God, I pray that you use this time to, to ingrain them within us. That we think through, we ponder the very word that was taught this morning. It's in Christ's name. Amen. You can stand.